1: To say we live by grace alone is an accurate saying, but there is obedience, so how does that fold in? We'll talk about it today on Truth For Today. Join us. Again, greetings in Christ and welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. To be sure, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus Christ. But there are good works, obedience, that needs to be a part of that. Now, does that say we maintain our salvation by law? Actually, what we'll see today is it's a response, a loving response to a loving God. No law needed, just loving response. Love Always Finds a Way to Serve is the title of our message, Galatians 5, verses 16 through 25. Here's Pastor Phil Howard.
2: Paul is uh, in the section now of Galatians of um, showing what the ethics for the Christian life is. He's been defending over and over that you're saved by faith, by grace, alone. And so he said it over and over, and it seemed like... uh, he tells us, we've been set free. We're a liberated people. You're free. He wants us to live free. He tells us in verse 6, five, six that the kind of faith that we've been given uh, works out itself in love. But it seems like he has just a little bit more theological punch about his old argument, he wants to say. So he just kind of empties his soul, as it were, in verses 7 through 12. And I'm going to briefly look at that. But then... He begins to develop what the Christian life as free men and women looks like. And he's going to underscore that in verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Serve one another in love. That's music DeLore Severa's ears right now, who is promoting and doing a fabulous job, bringing enlistment to us. Serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, and this will tie to it, we'll develop it next week. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Let me just walk you through verses 7 through 12 to just kind of see how he just reaches back. But once again, it's dealing dealing with the Judaizers before we look at this. You were running a good race in verse 7. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? You were running the race, and you're about to the finish line, it seemed like, and somebody cut into the racetrack and cut you off. And so he said, these Judaizers, these false teachers, you're saying faith in Christ alone's not enough, but you must get under the law of Moses. You must practice circumcision for religious purposes and some form of works to complete you. He said, who cut in on you? You were doing great. You were going, but now someone's cut in on you. And this change of mind and this wrestling going on with you, this persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. God didn't raise these doubts in you. These false teachers did. Then he uses a Jewish idiom that's common. Jesus used it. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough commonly used of evil or negative influence. Tolerate a little bit and it will permeate the whole. And you're playing around with this false teaching that says the death of Christ was not enough. Faith alone is not enough. And a little bit of this false teaching has been thrown into your fellowship, thrown you into confusion, intercepting your Christian race. And he says, it's just going to spread through you if you don't get the yeast out of the house. And if you know, of course, when the Jews, uh, Orthodox Jew observes uh, Passover, they'll spend several days before being sure yeast is out of the house and all of this in preparation to be clean, as it were, before God. So he says, hey, uh, don't tolerate this false teaching. It will spread. It will undo you. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who's throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. So there will be divine judgment to the one who is undoing the teaching of the gospel of the grace of God. It's a dangerous thing to teach people something in the name of God. For James 3 says we receive a greater judgment If we teach things that are not true, and teachers, he said, therefore, are judged more severely. Then he says, uh, brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? Some believe that the rumor got out, well, Paul practiced circumcision. Uh, He's just gone back. And he said, oh, no, no, no. I'm not preaching Christ plus circumcision gives you a right status with God. Why am I being persecuted if I was preaching that kind of error? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. I'm saying Christ alone and his violent death and the offense of the cross is no human works, no law keeping can save you. And that stumbled the Jewish community who was said it's good works, it's alms keeping, it's observing the law all of this list of religious duties, and when you come into town saying, God's son died on a cross and he alone saves and all your good works don't count. That's a result. It's a love gift to Christ, but it never merits salvation. This stumbled them. This was an offense. Well, I'm not, I'm going to quit doing good then. It makes no difference. And we're going to find out. We do do good as believers, but never to secure our salvation. We do it for a different reason. So then he says, as those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. And the idea is, if a little cutting of the skin, and he uses a strong term, mutilators of the flesh. And he uses it in Philippians. Those who mutilate the flesh, those who cut off the foreskin, if that really earns you a little bit of status with God, why not just become eunuchs, emasculate yourself? And that was a common thing in idolatry. Uh, the priest of Sibel, uh, they would be emasculated. They would be eunuchs. And so Paul was just pushing the argument. If you're putting so much on this circumcision, you might as well go all the way. Strong, strong language. But they knew that the heathen priests often practiced this. So go ahead and do it. If you really think it works that much, go all the way. And then he shifts gears. And he now is going to pick up how do Christians who have been liberated live? Here's the danger of the Christian life. I'm liberated. I'm free. 5-1. You have been set free. Free from what? Free from the law. Free from the penalty of God. Um, Free should be from guilt, because Christ has covered that. He's going to say you ought to be free from being controlled by the flesh. Great. But in the midst of that freedom... There's a danger and the other danger is to become a libertine which is known as being an antinomian I I can do anything it doesn't matter rules don't matter so it doesn't matter how I live I'm free I know all about that I lived through the 60s burn your bra light your joint and go to Altamont cuz we're free and blow your mind on LSD we're free And it enslaved a whole culture to the ravages of drugs today that we're losing young people left and right and moms and dads. Just heard of a man taking his life at the age of 40 because he strung out on drugs. Started big time in this culture in the 60s. We're free. So Paul's going to deal with this. Okay, we're free. But free to do what? Free from what? And it's going to develop that. And let's begin to look at it in verse 13. You, my brothers, you have been free. You're, you were called to be free. And what's that? Free from the penalty of the law. Under the law, it was not only good rules, but there was penalty for not keeping them. You're free from divine penalty for failing to keep the law. Why are you free? Someone else bore the penalty for your liabilities. They paid the penalty for your sin, and you have accepted the payment, so I'm free from the obligation to God and the law. I'm free from that. Amen? I have been freed from it. I'm not obligated to keep a bunch of rules in order to have a right standing with God. I'm justified by Grace by faith alone in Christ alone I'm free you ought to shout that about five times a day I'm free and you could be a slave in shackles by men and still be free in the sight of God because that debt and obligation has fallen off in Christ thank God over and over in this book the gospel frees you you're no longer slaves of sin well uh, But he's going to qualify something. Now, watch what he says here. Do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. What are you saying here? Don't use freedom as an excuse to sin. Just because you're reveling in this grace of God, remember the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness worldly lust and live soberly and righteously in this present evil age. Titus, their danger is when you get liberty, you can abuse it and you wind up doing something that might provide an opportunity for the flesh. You see, there's something about rules that give you boundaries. And uh, sometimes rules are great at a certain age, aren't they? I don't want my child does not have to understand all my rules. How many a child understands who has never t- touched anything hot? What it means when you say don't touch hot? And they're thinking, me want to touch. Me will touch. And so one of the great things is it leaves a blister. The blister penetrates their little psyche more than your don't touch. Pain in life, stepping beyond boundaries, often teaches more than the boundaries did. You know, you're free to step off a 10-story building. You're free, but you're not free to tell gravity what to do. Y'all, yo, you, I'm free. I'm free. Nobody's telling me what, go ahead On the way down about the fifth story, you're going to find out I'm really not as free as I thought I was. Someone's in charge. There are some principles out there I can't change. I think of this. um, Maybe you've lived with this. Sure you have. Uh, I've got license now. I'm 16, and I've got license to drive anywhere I want. So, Dad, can I have the keys? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe 17, they've moved it up in some of these age categories. They've gotten tougher on it. But 17, here, you're free to drive the car. Yeah. Boy, that's loaded. You're free to drive the car. Well, it's not free to dad. He's paying the insurance. He's buying the gas. And you'll call him if you have a flat. But are you free to drive any way you want? Nobody's telling me how to drive. I'm free. I'm an American. Dave Smith used to be a CHP. He said he just used to love to give people a ticket who was rushing to church on Sunday. <laughs> because he's brutal. He loves to be in a police officer. And I just want to give you this ticket in Jesus' name. I'm a Christian, and you just broke the law. He said, beware that your freedom does not become a base of operation. And this word for opportunity was used of where they launched an attack in warfare. Be sure that the sin nature in you, which is very sneaky, doesn't take your newfound liberty and use it as a launching pad for sin. Because it will seize it. Now, why does he say that? Because he said in Jude 4, the false teachers have turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. They've turned grace into a blanket to sin. Some have said likened grace to a white glove over a dirty hand. I've got grace so I can sin. Listen to Paul in Romans 6. Well, shall we sin that grace may abound? You've got to teach enough grace for people to ask that question. We're under grace, are we not? Are you saved today even if you go out and sin? Yeah, well, you know you do all the time. (laughs) Just amen what you do. But is the grace, if you said, because I've got grace, I'm going to do sins I wouldn't have done ordinarily. My, that would be just terrible. And I think of the great example, I think of this, is 1 Corinthians 10. When he said that Israel was liberated from Pharaoh. They're on the Exodus march. They're doing great. God has killed Pharaoh. Cast the chariot and his horsemen in the sea. Miriam takes up a tambourine in Exodus 15. They sing the song of Moses. Hallelujah, we're free. No more slavery, no more cucumbers, uh, no more bricks without straw, no more telling our wives how to have babies or beating up our ma- We are free. And they were baptized in the cloud unto Moses, and they followed that rock, which was Christ. But with many of them, God was not pleased, because on the freedom march, they fell to lusting. They fell into immorality. They fell into murmuring. They fell into complaining. They didn't fall in Egypt. They fell in their freedom. On the freedom march is when they started doing so much sin, and God killed thousands of them. Not Pharaoh. God. It's dangerous. I remember being in strict circles. And when I started teaching these doctrines of grace, I had these warnings given to me. Warnings. Watch out. You're going to... He's setting himself up. He wants to go out and do a bunch of sinning. And that's why he's talking grace all the time. And this is what Paul is now going to move in. Hey, just because we're not under law... We're not free to sin. We're never free to sin. Just because we're free from the control of the sin nature, we're not free to give sin an opportunity to build a beachhead in our heart and life. You've got to be very careful about sin. Make no provision for the flesh. You don't want to be there. So... Uh, he says, be, be careful in your liberty. And then he says, why have you been liberated? And we just pick up two things, he says. You've been liberated to love. You never, uh, being under the law, you weren't free to do it out of love. You just had to obey or bear the penalty. Listen to what he says there. Uh, do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, out of love is the Greek order. Out of love or through love. You ought to be serving one another. Then he qualifies the love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know that Romans 13 says if you love, you don't need a command to say don't murder, don't commit adultery. I can never love you and do those things against you. 1 Timothy 1, he said, The law was made for the lawless. It was not made for a righteous man. The law is made for those who are lawless. It's for boundaries. You know, the, um, I think there's a law in the state of California against wife beating. David, is there a law? says, no, yeah, there is. Okay, is. We've had men arrested in this church. I've had to be involved who we were beating up their wife. And so we were called in walked into some bad situations but did you know there's a law against beating your wife but there's not a law on the books that says you have to buy her flowers for mother's day there's a law for running over her foot in the driveway intentionally and you've been calling it an accident for five times Uh, but there's no law that says you have to kiss her the law deals with abuses The law deals with the outside boundaries. But law can never make you love her. Law can never make you love her. Law can never make you uh, stay faithful to her when she's in her ninth month of pregnancy and she's asking you why you got her in this shape. And when she's lost all of her uh, figure, but she's carrying your baby, uh, law won't keep her beautiful. Only love will. Only love He said, the new ethic of the Christian life is not rules and regulations, it's love. But it's the kind of love that never makes you lawless. It's never the kind of love that says you can commit adultery because we're not under the law. It's not the kind of love that says you can go ahead and murder, we're not under the law. It's not the kind of uh, love that says you can go ahead and lie because, you know, we're not under the law. No, we're under a principle that exceeds anything the law ever could demand. The law put boundaries, minimum requirements around us. But now God's people have had a principle of love inserted in them by the new birth, by which the modus operandi of their heart is, I'm motivated by love. I love God. It's, for instance, going to church. You know, the worst thing you can do is make it a law for you to come to church. If you don't want to come to church, stay at home. I haven't been waiting for people who want to go to church for over 50 years now. I go to church... I look up saints wherever I am, when I'm in South Carolina with my daughter, I go to church. When I'm here, I go to church. When I'm on vacation, I go to church. I, why? Because if I go so many times a year, I get the gold star at the end for perfect attendance. You've got to be kidding. Don't you mess with my motivation. I love to be where people love him. I love to hear his praises. I love to hear his word. I don't go because I'm booked to do the preaching most of the time. Sometimes I wish I wasn't. Because I love to bask. You know, there's something, even today. I was just telling the Lord today as you were singing, I said, Lord, this is like heaven to me to hear people sing your praises. Uh, I don't hear it any other place, but we're saints gather. Now, but all of a sudden, you better be here. You better be there. No, drop dead. (laughs) Now, I don't care if you come or not. I cannot care because everybody's getting lazier and lazier. It's good that we have our attendance. But it, it all becomes work. It's hard. It's Do we have to? Don't tell me about do we have to. I'm the pastor. I've been here showing up for 36 years, and the law won't keep me showing up. It's loving God.
1: And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules.